All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's masterclass featuring Pulenta. Uh, my name is Antoinette Londijan from Cork and Fork in DC. We're a premium wine store founded by a multi-generational flying winemaker originally from France. I am delighted to introduce today's producer, Pulenta, represented this evening by owner and export manager Edu Pulenta and head winemaker Javier Loforte. There is much to share about the beautiful wines from this prestigious estate. So I will simply offer a quick overview before we pass it over to the Pulenta team. The family has been uh, a prominent and respected force in Argentine viticulture for multiple generations. Edu and Hugo Pulenta, sons of well-known viticulturist Antonio Pulenta founded the estate in 2002. The 100% estate grown wines under the guidance of Javier Laforte, head winemaker, seek ripeness and focus on balance and elegance. The winery itself is surrounded by 320 acres of estate vineyards. It enjoys excellent climactic conditions for high quality wine growing and sits at an elevation of 3,200 feet. For those joining us live, we would love to hear from you. Place your questions in the chat and we will get to them time allowing. We will move immediately into the presentation. There's a lot to cover tonight. So Edu and Javier, whenever you would like, please jump in and tell us about your wines. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, welcome everyone. Um, as, as, as they just mentioned, uh, we have a long uh, history in, in winemaking. I'm actually fourth generation. So uh, just to introduce, uh, if you can, that picture we are seeing at the moment is the underground cellar of our state, which normally we use it as a institutional picture because uh, we like very much when people come into the winery, go downstairs and find those those beautiful uh, concrete walls. Uh, if we can go to the next uh, slide, uh, that that is a kind of our mission. We were always uh, to improve, trying to improve our wines. That's why we say we produce limited series of great wines. That is uh, normally what my dad, uh, Eduardo, uh, always says, because when he built this winery and we built it together, uh, he was always thinking in small tanks, small fermentations. So each, each tank, each barrel is a limited uh, production. That's, that's why it's part of our, of our, our mission. Okay, there are in, in that picture, you can see my family. Uh, in the center is my uncle Hugo, who is a partner of, of my dad. Uh, next to him in his left is my cousin Nina, and then my brother Diego. And they are sitting in the barrels is my dad, Eduardo, and I'm, I'm Edu. My dad is uh, as, same as Javier. is uh, is the only winemaker of the Pulenta family, so he he has a lot of experience. And Javier, uh, well, then he he will talk, but uh, he's been working with us for 
about 15 years. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, we are Italian immigrants. Uh, my great grandfather came from Ancona in 1902. Then they established in the province of San Juan, that is the north of Mendoza, right? And started uh, working the land and planting vineyards first as uh, contractors, means that they hired the land. And then in 19, we say it's 1916, because we have a, a book of the family, they were able to buy the first own land and start building uh, winery. We have a very nice uh, history because during the 20s and 30s, my, my grandfather, uh, he was born in the vineyards, born uh, in Argentina. So his eldest brother was the only one born in Italy. And he was born in the vineyard in, in San Juan and, and from the very beginning started uh, producing wines and it, it took them about 50 years to be the first producer in, in Argentina in terms of, of volume and, and quality. That winery you probably know was called Peñaflor, which nowadays owns a lot of brands. Um, my dad uh, started working with him in about, 1972, I think, when he got his, his graduation of enologist. And he worked in Peñaflor for 30 years, till 1997. Uh, then the family was too big, so they decided to split and, and sell, sell the Peñaflor company. And, so my dad decided to build his own winery. And there uh, I was studying also engineering, industrial engineer, and I got involved with him. And we started building Pulenta Estate in, in one of the vineyards planted by my grandfather in, in Agredo. So uh, there you can see the two brothers, Hugo and Eduardo. My dad does not speak English. If not, we would invite him. Um, my dad is a, the CEO. Uh, Hugo, his partner, is a vice president. Then we have Javier as a head winemaker, Facundo as a chief agronomist, myself, I'm the export director, and also I manage domestic sales together with my brother Diego. Now Nina, who is not there, is also responsible for the Europe market. And then of course we have a very nice team in hospitality with Constanza here. Uh, at the moment we have 73 people working in the winery. It's uh, a lot. Uh, uh, half of them work uh, in the vineyards and half of them uh, between office and, and, the, and the winery. That picture you see of the winery uh, is what we call, uh, th this was established, we, we established this with Javier and the team, as we call the research and development uh, winery. 
As you can see, they are all very small tanks of 1,000 liters and all roll fermenters, uh, barriques. Here is where we make all kinds of new, new developments. Um, well, uh, you can see in that picture, uh, we use three types of fermentation tanks, stainless steel, concrete, and also oak. Then, then Javier, when we go through the wines, he, he can explain you more about it. But the idea is to have small fermentations, yes, uh, and this allowed us to have very good uh, quality. Uh, at the moment, we have two vineyards. Both of the vineyards were planted in uh, by my grandfather, yes. Uh, this vineyard is a picture of uh, La Sulema, where it's, it's located in the region of Agrelo, Luján de Cuyo. We call it Alto Agrelo because it's a high part of Agrelo. As, as you can see in the picture, it's in the foot of the Andes. Uh, the altitude there is, is, is about uh, 1,000 meters, 3,000 feet. Uh, we got, there are very good uh, climate for, for irrigation, uh, sorry, climate, and we get irrigation from underground uh, wells and everything goes through pipes and drip irrigation. As you, you can see, we're in the, in, in the foot of the, of the Andes, where we call the Cordon del Plata. That is a very nice vineyard and is a quite big vineyard. Um, it's 130 hectares, it's about more than 300 acres. In that moment, this, this was planted by my grandfather together with, with my father in 1991. So vineyards are around uh, 30 years old. Um, in that moment, they used to plant uh, big extensions of vineyards with different varieties to be able to harvest, right, in different timings. For example, we start with Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and then we continue with the Reds, Malbec, uh, Merlot, Cabernet at the, at the end. Um, uh, well, so, so very important is the quality of the water there. It's a very good quality. Uh, now we are replanting some new vineyards, uh, mainly with Malbec, because in, in that vineyard we have mainly Chardonnay, as you will see in, in the next uh, slides. Uh, we have mainly Chardonnay and we had a lot of Merlot. So we've been replanting with mainly with Malbec that is uh, best grade adapted. You can see in, in that map, uh, from the Chardonnay, the, a lot that were 32 hectares. Now the, the lot number one and number two were being replanted. Number one with Malbec, number two with uh, Cabernet Franc. So this is part of renewing all our, our vineyards. Uh, the other vineyard that I will talk later 
uh, is called, we call it Don Antonio in the name of my grandfather and is located in the Uco Valley. They are very different. Uh, we like to show this, this little slide because it really shows the difference of the terroir. As you can see here, uh, the soil is has a little bit more uh, alluvial soil with uh, more clay, uh, a lot of stones. Um, compared to the other vineyard, the other vineyard you find is a more sandy vineyard, right? So, well, this is, is, is very nice. Um, there you can see a picture of Don Antonio. This is a huge vineyard, 400 hectares is more than, more, more than 1200 feet, uh, sorry, square feet, um, acres, sorry, you're speaking acres. Uh, 400 hectares is like three times in, 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 in acres. So it's like 1,200 acres. It's huge. So uh, from, from this vineyard, we only produce, I would say, uh, a quarter of the production. The other 80% uh, is we sell it to other producers. So we are able to select uh, some of the best grapes. And why you will, you will ask why it's so big? Because in that moment, uh, Don Antonio, when he planted this vineyard in 1981, uh, they were with the Peñaflor group. So they needed a lot of grapes. Then when they sold and we kept the, this vineyard, it's like too big uh, for us, but uh, we love the quality of these grapes and, and Antonio was a pioneer in, those, in this vineyard. So uh, we are trying to, to keep it. The Malbec is from this region, is amazing. Uh, the altitude is a little bit higher, you know, Agrelo is, 1,000 meters, this 1,200. So it's like 4,000 feet above sea level. As I mentioned, this soil is a little bit more sandy, so the roots can explore uh, even deeper. Uh, also, you have uh, more exposure to the sun being higher, so we get better colors with especially with the Malbec and more minerality uh, well then we will taste um, well this is this, this is uh, the map of, of the vineyard as you can see for example from Malbec this in that moment was the biggest plantation of Malbec in the Uco Valley 110 hectares of Malbec. Uh, it's very difficult to find so big a uh, vineyard of Malbec. And as you can see, there are uh, many varieties with the same purpose because Antonio was thinking in the moments of harvest. So 
starting with the whites, then with Malbec, at the end, the, the Cabernet. Uh, it took him, it's incredible because he planted this vineyard in, in the 70s, 80s, and he was already uh, 60 years and took him 20 years to complete all this plantation. Uh, the last plantation, he, he did it like in, I would say, I don't know, Javier, if you remember, but it was maybe 1980, sorry, 2002 or three. 2002, yeah. you're right. 2002, he was, he was 82 years old planting and planting vineyards for, uh, well, but was his passion. And now we are trying to keep all the tradition and, and great. Uh, we always say that we make wines with purpose. Um, and the reason is this morning we were, we were speaking with, with my cousin. We are really, really, um, I would say, I don't know the word in English, but comprometidos. We are like very uh, commit, commit with with the environment, and that's why uh, we've been certifying uh, sustainable uh, standards. We started with Global Gap, then we certified HSCCP. And finally, last year we certified uh, Bodegas de Argentina uh, Sustentabilidad, that is, is the lower you see in the right bottom. It means that we control all the pesticides and any chemicals uh, that we use. Also, the use of water, trying to be as more sustainable as possible. Um, we are working now in an organic Malbec, certified organic Malbec and gluten-free. And um, this last uh, January, uh, we also did a very nice investment in solar panels. Uh, we, we, we have 240 solar panels to be able to produce our own energy. So this will give us a step up in being sustainable with the, with the, you know, with the environment and, and trying to uh, leave the land as we find it. <laughs> that's that's the, the, the main idea. Okay, we can go to the next one. Uh, well, our wines, uh, I, I was thinking that the best people to talk is our head winemaker, as I mentioned, Javier. He is a professor, he's a teacher in the University of uh, Mendoza winemaking. Uh, he spends a lot of time with students. And also he, he, he's, he's professor in ke chemistry chemistry and he's also uh, with us for 15 years 
So it has a lot of experience in, in what we do, our philosophy, focusing in, in, in quality and, and being sustainable. That is, is the purpose. So I will introduce Javier to speak about our wines. And of course, any, any doubts, I, I will be online. Okay, thank you, Edu. Hi, everyone. Well, thank you very much for being there. Um, well, as Edu says, we as a winery, as a team, we are focused in, in the quality. Uh, we are focused in the in consistency and sustainable, but principally we try to make drinkable wines even in our, in our top premium level. Um, well, the idea, maybe it's to explain a little bit the different range of our winery and then we, we can start, if you want, Donny or Antoinette with the Sauvignon Blanc, okay? But first, we can introduce with our different lines um, the concept, the philosophy of Pulenta State. It's trying to have the influence of those two beautiful vineyards that we have, one in, in Luján de Cuyo, Alto Agrelo, and the other one in Ucobay, that, that now you know that it's a very, um, very known and, and, and unfashioned place to grow uh, vines in, in, in Mendoza. But the idea in all of our lines, it's the concept of those two terroirs. Um, principally in La Flor, we can see that we have very young kind of wines. The concept of La Flora as, as an entry level, it's trying to have a very fruity Malbec, um, then a very spicy and typical Cabernet Sauvignon. At the end, in the terms of the red wines, we have a blend that it's interesting. Maybe then we can talk a little bit about the, the blend, but it's, it's a blend between Malbec and Cabernet, but with a little bit of Merlot, that Merlot is very important for us because since Don Eduardo, Don, Don Antonio Pulenta planted those vineyards, start thinking in Merlot, then it, it was funny, but when we start, when I start working with, with Eduardo, the, he asked me the first day, what was my, 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 my varietal that, that, that I, I prefer and was funny because his varietal was Merlot and the same one for me and well was a, a chemical a, a chemistry because both and we always use a little bit of Merlot in, in all of our blends because we're going to talk when, when we taste our Merlot but the Merlot give us a different kind of things principally in the blendings okay then we have a, a, a rosé, 100% from Malbec, and at the end, a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, then the next step, it's our Reserva level, that it's our states. Um, we have, a, a, again, a Malbec, but the interesting thing, it's uh, all of our Malbecs uh, in the entry level, La Flora and State, it's a blend of both vineyards, okay? We use Agrelo and also Uco Valley. In terms of Cabernet Sauvignon, for La Flor, for State and for Gran, it's 100% from, from Agrelo. 
the idea we are going to talk then when we taste our Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc and Merlot, but Agrelo have a special climate and, and, and soil for those varietals in, in terms of our style and our philosophy. And then in, in, in Pulenta State, we have a, a beautiful Pinot Gris that now we make a, a different kind of bottle, a restyle. We use uh, an eco bottle because we try, again, in this line of, of sustainability, uh, we try to use um, less heavy bottles. And obviously, we also uh, use a little bit of recycled uh, crystal. And then our Pulenta Sauvignon Blanc, that now, today, we, we are going to taste it. And then our Pulenta State Chardonnay uh, in this same level. Well, um, okay, if you want, we can start with the Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. Well, maybe I can show you the, the, the restyle that we made also for our Sauvignon Blanc in terms of the conservation of the wine. Remember that the wine, it's uh, um, very sensitive to, to the light and in that way, we decide to change the bottle in an eco bottle, less heavy bottle, and also with this color to protect the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a very delicate varietal because of that we change the bottle and also a few things that we are going to talk about today. In terms of winemaking, I can tell you that in this case, we can separate and, and compare Sauvignon Blanc Pulenta State from La Flor because in La Flor Sauvignon Blanc, again, like Malbec, we use a blend between Sauvignon Blanc from Uco Valley and Sauvignon Blanc from Agrelo. But in this case, we use 100% from Agrelo because in this case, this Sauvignon Blanc give us the opportunity to have different moments of harvest, trying to have freshness, volume and then concentrations there in terms of the last harvest, okay? In this case, we fermentate three moments of harvest. The first one, like, like I said, we try to have more acidity. In that moment, we have a little bit more of green uh, perception, okay? The scriptures of, of uh, grass, but principally citricness. But the first and a more important thing is, in this case, we have low alcohol and better acidity, and principally a little bit of malic acid, okay? Malic acid, that is the second acid that we have in the wine. Principally, remember that we have in the wine principally tartaric acid, okay? But the second one, uh, most important, it, the, it's the malic acid. We're going to talk about a little bit about the malic acid because it's very important for the whites and also for the red wines. But in this case, the first part, it's a very early harvest, good acidity, malic, citricness, and also those kind of descriptors of Sauvignon Blanc, but principally focus on in, in the grass and, and in the lemon. Then generally we try to wait um, 10 days more or less, it depends obviously on, on the harvest, but then the second harvest start giving us a little bit more 
tropical kind of, per, of perception. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit more sugar. We're going to have a little bit more or less acidity, but principally a component of pineapple, tropical fruits, and a little bit more volume, mouthfeel. And then again, we wait 15 days, a little bit more. And at the end, we have the last component with more concentration of, of sugar. Obviously at the end, we are going to have more, acid, uh, sorry, more alcohol, yes? And those fermentations not only are going to have more alcohol in terms of alcohol, when you say alcohol, you say, you know that we talk about ethanol, okay? But in this case, the last part of those fermentations, we start and try to fermentate very at low temperature, okay? Here, I'm going to try to explain a little bit, and I always need to put a little bit of chemistry, okay? I'm going to try to make it, make it easy, but again, like Edu says, uh, I teach chemical enology in the university, and I always need to talk about chemistry, okay? But, but it, it's easy, because when you start making the fermentation at very low temperature, the yeast, that it's a kind of fungus, obviously, that the yeast make the fermentation, the yeast take the sugar and produce alcohol, ethanol, okay? But in this case, when you make the temperature up at low, low temperature, it's a little bit um, stress for the yeast. And the yeast naturally produce another kind of alcohol, okay? Obviously, it's obviously in less uh, quantity, okay? But start producing a kind of alcohol that it's called glycerol, okay? That kind of alcohol give you the sensation, the mouthfeel of sweetness. In this case, you perceive sweetness without sugar, okay? That, again, at the end, give us the opportunity to have the first part, acidity, freshness, malic acid, the middle part of the harvest, tropical things, okay, pineapple, etc., and the last part, volume, mouthfeel, sweetness from the alcohol. At the end, we blend all of those fermentations and have this beautiful component and this beautiful complex, complex kind of Sauvignon Blanc. Trying to, in this case, we, we don't use any oak, okay? Because the idea is try to respect the typicity and the varietal. But when we start, we start saying with, with Eduardo, okay, we need mouthfeel, we, we need volume, but we have acidity, we have freshness. Okay, we are going to make a Sauvignon Blanc without malolactic fermentation. Okay, what is malolactic fermentation? Okay, again, chemistry. Alcoholic fermentation, we understand that alcoholic fermentation is the fermentation of sugar that, again, like we said, um, like we, we said, is the, is the fermentation between yeast that they take the sugar and produce alcohol, okay? That is clear, yeah? Okay, but when we finish the alcoholic fermentation, we have a second fermentation that is called malolactic fermentation, okay? We said that the principal acid that we have in the wine is the tartaric acid, okay? And all of us, we know and we taste the, the uh, I don't know, for example, a lemon, okay? What kind of acid we have in the lemon? Citric acid, okay? Yes? 
Hola. Okay. Everyone agree about that. Okay. Citric acid. Okay. And in the apple, for example, in the green apple, all of you ever taste a green apple, okay? It's a little, it's, it's, a, it's a very aggressive, it's acid, okay? Well, in the green apple, we can find a, another kind of acid that it's malic acid, okay? Uh, indeed, the, the, the scientific name of the green apple, it's malus domestica. Malus domestica, malus came from malic acid, okay? You can Google that, okay? But in the wine, we have principally, in the white wines, we have principally tartaric acid, but the second acid in terms of concentration, it's a little bit of malic acid, like the green apple, okay? Excellent. For example, for this wine, this perception of green apple, for us, it's very useful give us freshness, give us a brilliant in the wines, okay? But for the red wines, we don't want that kind of acid, okay? And in this case, in the red wines, we try to produce that second fermentation that transform all the malic acid, okay? That acid that reminds us the, the green apple, aggressive, that, that acid, that green acid, transform this acid in lactic acid. When we talk about lactic, we think in cream, in milk, in yogurt, okay? Something that is more, more soft, more, more gentle, okay? Okay, in reds, we produce 100% of malolactic fermentation. That fermentation is naturally produced by bacteriums, okay? Obviously, we need to control that, but naturally, we produce in all of our reds malolactic fermentation. Malic acid, that green acid in lactic acid, something more soft, more creamy for the reds. But in this case, we don't make any malolactic fermentation. We preserve all the malic acid that we have principally from, from the first harvest, okay? That give us freshness, softness. Okay, perfect. But like we were talking about- what? What temperature normally you need to get the wine to get the malolactic fermentation? Sorry, no te escuché. ¿Cómo dijiste? What what temperature you need to get in the tank? Well, generally, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting that that, that thing that Edu asked because the way that you can manage the malolactic fermentations is trying to decrease the temperature. Okay, you need twenty Celsius to produce the malolactic fermentation, okay? But the idea is right in the Sauvignon Blanc to preserve. Okay, we have the acidity, but we need those that we were talking about, the more fill the volume. In a way, we have that volume and that structure from the that fermentation, the glycerol and the ethanol. But also, this wine, when we make the blend with this three moment of harvest, we spend more than three months putting in contact all the lease, okay? All the sediment from the yeast because the sediment of the yeast, the lease give us mouthfeel, okay? They release a kind of, um, a kind of component, okay? That it's called monoproteins, okay? They are uh, polysaccharides that give you that perception of volume of mouthfeel 
uh, trying, in this case, we have mouthfeel structure uh, without oak, okay? And in this case, we have a wine with a lot of freshness. We have a wine with mouthfeel, with soft, with, with sweetness, but without oak, with all of the flavors of the Sauvignon Blanc, okay? Yes, was clear. A lot of chemistry, but 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 yes, for uh, humans, okay. <laughs> to, okay. To get an idea, twenty Celsius is like sixty-eight Fahrenheit degrees. Okay, and but the idea, obviously, also we work very hard in the vineyard trying to protect the the grapes from the sun with with the canopy. Also between lines we plant a kind of natural grass to have uh, to don't have the, the reflection of the sun in the soil through the, the clusters. A lot of things that we made to preserve uh, the freshness, the acidity and the typicity of the Sauvignon Black. Okay? Okay. Questions? Something? No? Okay, clear? Okay, we can change to the wine and we are going to go to the Chardonnay state, okay? Okay, in this case, it's, um, it's another concept, but it's the same philosophy again. Work very hard in the vineyard, trying to protect the fruit and again, making different moment of harvest. In this case, we make two moment of harvest, not three like Sauvignon Blanc. But the idea is a little bit different because in this case, we are going to make a first harvest, trying to have the citricness, the acidity, the malic acid, the tartaric acid from, the, from the, the, an earlier harvest, trying to have freshness, low alcohol and good acidity, okay? And this part, we are going to ferment in a stainless steel tanks, okay? trying to have very cold fermentations, trying to produce a little bit of glycerol and trying to preserve principally the aromas, okay? Because you know that all the aromas, if we, if we increase the temperature, we lose it, okay? But the idea is try to keep in the, this portion of, of the blending, this portion of the wine, okay? And then in this case, we wait more than 15 days, more than two weeks, sometimes 20 days, sometimes, we wait a month trying to make a second harvest. In this case, we are going to have a, a Chardonnay more mature with a different kind of, of, of aromas and, and, and descriptors of Chardonnay. And in this case, we are going to fermentate 100% in, um, in oak barrels, okay? In this case, are very low toast oak, new oak. In we we prefer uh, French oak because it's a little bit more 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 for, for Chardonnay. It's a little bit more delicate, and also in this case, we are going to make the fermentation in the oak. We are going to spend few months in the oak, and also we are going to try to produce the malolactic fermentation in the oak trying to have that, um, that perfect balance between the oak and the lactic acid. Remember again, malolactic fermentation, malic in lactic 
through the work of the uh, bacteriums, okay? That it's a natural process, okay? We don't add bacteriums for, for, for this process. But if you wait and you finish the fermentation, the alcoholic fermentation, you start uh, producing the malolactic fermentation. At the end, we have two beautiful components. One, it's a very fresh and young wine with good acidity. In this case, we're going to perceive more lemon, more citricness. And then the second fermentation, the second part, it's going to be a, a little bit oaky wine. It's uh, going to be a more mouthfeel, more structured kind of Chardonnay, and obviously more creamy Chardonnay because of the concentration of the lactic acid that we have from the malolactic fermentation. And at the end, again, we made a blend because we want everything inside of the bottle. But in, ter in terms of percentages, always it, we try to use more percentage of the young, uh, of the first harvest of the fresh wine, and then uh, the other part of, of the oaky or, the, or the, 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 late, the late harvest, okay? In terms of percentages, we can talk about kind of 55% or 60% of the first harvest and the other part of the oaky fermentation. Obviously, when we finish the fermentation, we spend not more than six, sometimes till nine months in the oak, but not, never more than that. Because again, we want, if you taste, you are going to perceive that kind of honey that you can perceive from the oak that kind of coconut, we always said a little bit of vanilla and, and, and we said dulce de leche, obviously. Uh, but obviously, always with that kind of citricness, that typicity and kind of, that kind of white flowers from, from Chardonnay, okay? Javier, it's just so rare to see uh, new oak on a wine of this price point, uh, but also so well integrated. It's uh, refreshing to see. Well, you know, um, it's, um, it's a, it was a very long work and a, it takes us a, a lot of years trying to define the, the, the kind of toast that we need for this wine, okay? That is the, the most important thing. Obviously, always we use, I told you that, I tell you that more, probably the 80% are principally in yolk, but we use some used barrels because always give us some complexity, okay? The oak, it's, it's amazing, but in the second year, the third year, the fourth year, some barrels give you complexity that you can find when you taste it, not, not, not in, another, in another moment, okay? But principally, we use 80%, yeah, 80, 85% new oak, but again, with this very soft toast, um, principally French oak. We're going to talk about the oak also in the red and top premium level because it's, it's very interesting that you, you ask about that, Donnie. Thank you, because it's very interesting to talk about the oak and principally in top premium lines, okay? And, it, and it's funny because uh, yesterday we were uh, at the winery with, with all the winemaking team, uh, Javier, my, my dad, Facundo, and we were tasting the Chardonnay 2021, which will be launched uh, next year. And uh, we were tasting kind of blind, uh, comparing with the 2020, 
Um, and we, everybody agree, the wine needs more time uh, in, in, in oak. So we say, okay, uh, my brother was in a trip. So we say, okay, let's retaste uh, next Tuesday to have uh, conclusions in the night, if the wine will spend uh, two or three months more in oak, or it's okay. So we're trying to, always trying to find that balance between the oak character and, and, and the fruit. It's, it's very interesting that uh, Edu says, because we as winemaker team, always we try to work principally in one concept that for us it's a key point that it's the consistency okay we are going to try to have always consistency you are going to taste our 2019 chardonnay and then our 2020 or 2021 and you are going to to feel and to perceive that 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 kind of line of consistency that we try to have in our wines okay also, because of that, like Edu says, we taste and we retaste our wines, trying to think, okay, we need, obviously, always thinking in a little bit more quality, but always trying to talk about consistency, okay? And some key points that us, as as Pulente, we have, it's that we have very big vineyards to, meet, to, to be consistent, okay? We have a beautiful and big vineyard, in, in Agrelo, we have a big and beautiful vineyard in, in Uco Valley. And in that way, we can be consistent. We, we manage the vineyard as we like, as we want. And in that way, we can manage. That is a very big uh, key point. Also, obviously, Mendoza have a very consistent climate. That is another key point. Our climate, it's a very consistent. We, maybe we can talk a, li a little bit about the different years, the harvest, but... Yeah, and we are going to, to perceive, to taste a little bit differences, okay? But in terms of concept of the wine, the style of the wine, you are going to perceive always consistency, okay? We put a lot of time in, in that, in the quality and in the consistency. And like Edu says, we taste the, the Chardonnay and sometimes we make the blend and we said, okay, it's beautiful exponent of, Blanc, of Chardonnay it's a very fruity, but in a way, we need more aging. And sometimes it's not only the perception of oak, okay? Because the aging gives you a lot of things. Uh, because of that, Edu says, okay, we made the blend between the Stanley Simtang and the oak. And then we said, okay, we said, okay, we are going to go for a few weeks or a month again to the, to the barrels, okay? And in that way, you have again a beautiful balance trying to go in the way of the consistency okay again it's a it's a, that is the most beautiful that you can perceive in, in in this industry because it's a it's a biological process and it's it's all the years are a little bit different and to have the the consistency and the quality you need to work all the time and taste and retaste and, and make these things okay okay it was clear Okay, perfect. Let's go to the reds, okay? Okay, we're going to start um, with uh, our Cabernet Sauvignon. Was like that? Yeah? Okay, excellent. 
Corner Sauvignon. Ok. Um, it's funny because uh, we have Cabernet Sauvignon in Uco Valley uh, and also obviously in, in Agrelo. But with Eduardo, we always said the same thing that the terroir uh, that we have in Agrelo for these three varietals for Merlot, for Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, for Cabernet Franc, it's amazing. Like Edu says, in this vineyard, we have a very different kind of, of soil. The profile of soil in, in this vineyard, it's the first part, a little bit of clay, okay? It's a little bit more compact kind of soil. The first part, it's principally clay, okay? Then a sandy part, a sandy profile, and, at the, and in the last part, we can start... Uh, and can, 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 can look in a little uh, more kind of stones, okay? Clay, sand, and then stones. And the, the clay give us a different kind of things and principally a beautiful kind of maturity, principally for these varietals, okay? And generally in, in Argentina, it was common to find very aggressive kind of Cabernet Sauvignon, okay? And in this beautiful place, this part of Alto Agrelo with this beautiful kind of profile of soil, but also not with not, not, not only because of the of the profile, also in uh, in Alto Agrelo, we are like yeah, like you see, saw in the presentation, we are not so far from the from the Andes. We have a lot of uh, of say um, say pendiente edu. Uh, I would say okay, different different altitude, altitude, okay? al altitude, and that gives us the opportunity to have thermal amplitude, to have to not have frost in this place. Well, like Edu says, I, I I work with the family since two thousand and and six, and and since two thousand and six, we never have had a frost in this vineyard. That it's beautiful because give you the opportunity to wait for the maturity, to wait for the softness, and principally for this kind of varietal, Cabernet Sauvignon. And we wait the perfect maturity, and I always said the same thing again, Javier, chemistry. Okay, we always think in, in, in two things that are very important for the balance. First, the perception and the tasting. Uh, um, and the uh, tasting of the fruit, okay? We go to the vineyard, we taste the grapes, we taste the seas, we try to crunch the seas, we saw and we perceive the concentration of sugar or acidity, but tasting the grapes. But then we take a sample and we go to the laboratory. We have a beautiful laboratory that in that place, we analyze acidity, sugar, and also polyphenols, okay? When we talk about polyphenols, we talk about color, tannins, um, astringency, color, and tocianins, a lot of components that give us information also, and plus the tasting, that the, 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 the tasting of the fruit that we made in the vineyard. And then in that way, we take the decision. 50 chemistry, 50 um, 
uh, tasting, analyze, sensory, sensory analyze, okay? Then we take the decision of the harvest. Um, okay, whole cluster, well, it's interesting, but in Cap Sauvignon, we don't use uh, whole clusters, but in Cap Franc and in, in, a, in our Pinot Noir also, we use whole, whole bunches for the fermentation, not more than 10%. In this case, no, but in the Cabernet Franc, we used a little bit. Um, this Cabernet Sauvignon was, was, was uh, the perception. It's because we wait a lot of time, uh, we wait the perfect maturity, and you perceive the tannins from the seas principally. That it's similar like the, the, the tannins of the, of the stem, okay? When you have a very uh, mature stem, you, you perceive this, the similar kind of tannin good tasting steering, uh, but it's like that. We wait uh, for the majority and we take the most important decision that, 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 that we have, the moment of the harvest, okay? We harvest very earlier, we harvest very fresh the fruit and then we process in the winery. Uh, obviously we make 100% hand harvest and the people that make the, the, the harvest, they are families that work uh, near to our vineyard. They were with us since, I don't know, 20 years ago. Um, and they know what we need uh, to harvest, okay? We, we show them that we need the perfect uh, bunches uh, and they uh, make a beautiful work. They harvest very little. We have uh, in the winery very cold bunches. And then for us, the first selection is the hand harvest, okay? And then we make a bunchy selection, then with the stem, and we make a berry selection in a sorting a vibration table, okay? Was clear or was it a little mixy? No? Okay. Then when we select the berries, we fool a kind of hoppers that we have, okay? Of 500 kilos. And then those kind of hoppers, we take with the forklift and we fool all of our stainless steel tank concrete pools or concrete bats by gravity, okay? And also we take the barrels and we fill our barrels in the sorting table again by gravity. We try in that way, we try to don't use pumps because we want to start our, uh, our process with full berries, okay? And again, I'm going to talk a little bit about chemistry, but well, I'm going to try to make it, make it easy. It's very important when you have full berries in the first part of the process, because we make in the first part a, a maceration pre-fermentative, okay? A maceration without fermentation. We spend one, two or three days at low temperature, eight Celsius. And in this part, we add a little bit of dry ice, okay? The concept is to make that moment, to, to make a maceration between, between the must, between the juice with the skin, okay? At low temperature, trying to solve all the, the, the typicity, all the, 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 the aromas, all the descriptors of the Cabernet and all the varietals to the use, okay? Trying to have all that flavors 
previously uh, the fermentation, okay? Okay, one, two, sometimes four days at a Celsius, very cold maceration, okay? That gives us, again, the opportunity of the aromas and also the same thing that we talk about the whites, okay? We spend those three or four days at eight Celsius and then we release the temperature and the temperature start increasing, okay? In that moment, we add the yeast when the, the, the fruit have, I don't know, maybe 12 Celsius, very cold. And we start all of our bread fermentations at low temperature. That gives us again the same thing that Sauvignon Blanc. It's not only alcoholic fermentation that produce only ethanol, we also produce glycerol, okay? Glycerol, that alcohol that gives us mouthfeel sweetness and principally you are going to taste in our cup frame that sweetness you say okay you have a little bit of sugar here no 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 it's a dry it's a dry wine but you are going to perceive sweetness from principally from 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 the glycerol something that it's very interesting all of these wines cornet Sauvignon, cornet franc uh, our grand malbec and also our grand corte all of them are very small fermentations that's like, like, like Edu says, very small concrete vats, beautiful concrete vats that we built in our winery, also very small stainless steel tank and also uh, barrels and those roll fermenters that Edu says, that those are uh, barrels of 900 liters that we make the fermentation rolling, okay? They are over a kind of system with wheels that those barrels we can move and roll to put in contact all the skin with the yeast during the fermentation. It's very interest, interesting because uh, we, 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 uh, we use uh, those, those kind of barrels also from France, but it's in, very interesting because it's a very delicate extraction with the oak and with the fermentation. It's beautiful, beautiful components. But at the end, it's the same thing that we were talking about whites. We have different components, concrete, stainless steel tank, and those beautiful fermentations in oak. And at the end, we make a blend, trying to have principally from the stainless steel tank, fruit, principally fruit, from the concrete, more structure more concentration and from the oak obviously a component with the influence of, of the oak but the most interesting thing is when we harvest the same moment of harvest that grapes a part of that grapes we ferment it in oak we ferment it in uh, concrete and the other part in the stainless steel tank the same moment of harvest again it's a lot of complexity and a lot of things in the same bottle. Obviously, these different fermentations go separately through the oak. Again, in this case, we are talking uh, probably we use 50% uh, new oak, 50% uh, used oak, sometimes 16 months, 18 months, 12 months, it depends uh, on the tasting because when these lots of wine uh, have, I don't know, 
10 months, 12 months, we start tasting barrel by barrel. And in that moment, we decide if we leave a little bit more in the oak or we take out, okay? But also it's very interesting to, to think and to understand, like Donnie, you asked me, we use 50% new oak and also we use beautiful bars with three, two, um, three, four, or even five years old vine, old, old barrels that give us complexity, that give us aging, but not perception, perception of oak, okay? That is beautiful because it's a, it's a hard work, obviously, select barrel by barrel, but at the end, uh, it's that give us those, those different things that you can find in this in this Cabernet uh, Sauvignon, okay? Obviously, you are going to taste the typicity of Cabernet Sauvignon, those spicy pepper kind of um, uh, red bell pepper also, a kind of ment ment uh, mint in a way also, and principally black fruits, okay? Okay, I don't know if uh, we, we, we are okay with a, with a, okay, okay. We're perfect. When, when we talk about Cabernet Sauvignon from Agrelo, you are going to find something like this. A soft Cabernet Sauvignon with typicity, but drinkable. Even being this top premium level, we try to have a Cabernet Sauvignon that you want to enjoy, that you want to drink, even uh, along without food, okay? That is the idea. But obviously pair beautiful with a piece of meat, no? okay? Like our Grand Malbec, you will see. Okay, maybe if it was clear, uh, we can move to the Cafranc, yeah? Okay. Perfect. In this case, we are going to talk again with a beautiful exponent of Cabernet, Cabernet Franc, uh, like Edu says, um, this is uh, amazing because uh, Don Antonio was a pioneer thinking in plan Cap Franc in 1990, in 1981. In that moment, no one in Argentina was thinking in different varietals than Malbec or, 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 or Bonarda, okay? And he started thinking and try new varietals. Also, he planted Petit Verdot, he planted Tanat, uh, he planted a, a lot of varietals you, 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 can, you saw in the, in the Ukawale vineyard. Also, Syrah, we don't use Syrah, but a lot of varietals that uh, no one uh, started thinking or, or thought on, in that in, in Argentina. And was the same thing for Capfranc, okay? Uh, since, I don't know, the last eight years, Cap Franc in Argentina became on fashion, but we start with Cap Franc since we start. Since 2002, uh, uh, we made Cap Franc as a single varietal, and it's a beautiful exponent of Cabernet Franc. In this case, the same thing, very similar like Cabernet Sauvignon, but in this case, we are going to have few secrets that obviously are not secrets, but few things that are very important for Cap Franc. Principally, like we talk, we're talking about Cabernet Sauvignon, but in this case, we put a lot of attention in the moment of the harvest, because when we harvest Cap Franc, we don't want 
that green pepper, that, that aggressive green pepper, okay? We need to perceive a beautiful and soft uh, spices in Cabernet Franc. Okay, the first moment is the moment of the harvest. We obviously, we have a lot of experience in this vineyard. It's a beautiful part. It's a special block, block number 11, that we use principally for 100% uh, from, for our Grand Cabernet Franc. The moment of the harvest, we harvest again very early during the morning, very cold bunches. We process very early in the winery, trying to keep that temperature. And then we make the maceration pre-fermentative, okay? We start our fermentation at low temperature to increase the mouthfeel, okay? To increase that sweetness. If you taste, you can perceive that sweetness. That is beautiful. And always this one reminds me we're going to talk first with the pairing because obviously you know that in Argentina we make and we eat a lot of meat, a lot of barbecues, okay? Yeah, you know that. Okay, perfect. But always when we make a barbecue, we cut a red bell pepper, okay? We take all the seeds and we leave like a shell over the grill, okay? We crack an egg inside. We put a little bit of olive oil black pepper and a little bit of, of, of salt and you live there. Obviously, always with a, with a bit, piece of meat, okay? But you live there. Obviously, you need to cook slowly because you don't want to burn the pepper, okay? But when you, you are going to see that the, 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 the pepper is, is ready because when the egg is done, you taste that um, red belt smoke pepper and reminds me always this cup franc okay that red bell pepper sweet smoke always i beautiful with this carne franc but the idea is that trying to have a red bell pepper uh, that knows that reminds you sometimes also um, uh, when you cook the the jalapeno that toast jalapeno but principally in the nose okay in the nose but then when you taste it's sweet red bell pepper, okay? Again, that fermentation at low temperature, the, the first part of the fermentation at low temperature, give us that glycerol that give us that mouse and that softness, okay? And then obviously you need to pay attention during the extraction, okay? Because uh, it's, uh, Cabernet Franc, it's very subtle to the overextraction, okay? And at the end, you have a, a very aggressive kind of Cabernet Franc. Because of that, we, we try to work very soft, the, the hat, okay, the skin during the fermentation. We, can, we make a very soft pompovers and also soft punch downs, trying to mix very softly, okay? Not too much time. Sometimes our Cabernet Franc um, generally don't have a an aggressive or, or, or a very intense uh, concentration of color, but it's enough concentration because it's a very complex kind of wine, okay? And then again, the same thing like we were talking with Danny about the oak, okay? The oak, it's very, the Cap Franc, it's very delicate with the influence of the oak. And Cap Franc love the malolactic fermentation in the oak. It's amazing, but you taste the malolactic fermentation in the oak with the Cap Franc, and it's beautiful. That mix between lactic acid 
the 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 creaminess of the lactic acid of the malactic fermentation and, and the, 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 the 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 perception of of the soft oak that give us uh, the the aging in the oak in this case like you were talking about Danny in this case we use less new oak in the cup franc we use generally a little bit more used oak but obviously beautiful barrels that we 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 keep with us for this principally for this wine okay and then um obviously in in this kind of wines we always make the bottling and then we spend more than a year in the cold storage and then we release because the idea also is try to have again the 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 balance of the wine in the bottle okay perfect okay what's good plus and a special kind of pairing, okay? You can you can make in your houses. It's very easy to cook. It's very easy to make. Sometimes if you put a little bit of bacon, also pair beautiful, okay? But it's very, very easy to, to cook and to make. Okay. One of our icon wines, our Grand Malbec, that it's for us uh, one of our beautiful wines. In this case, it's another world because this is our Grand Malbec 100% from Uco Valley. Till now, we were talking about, about the beautiful things about the soil and the, the climate and the terroir of Agrelo, of Alto Agrelo in Luján de Cuyo, but now we are going to talk principally about Uco Valley. Uco Valley, it's a little bit more aggressive kind of climate. It's a very, very uh, sandy and stony soils. Uh, in that place, we have very, very cold nights and very hot days. It's very highest valley. And in this case, we have at the end a beautiful concentration, principally for Malbec. The vine react to all of this stress, producing more concentration and a more um, thick skin. Okay? Why? It's naturally, it's biology. The vine trying to protect the seas, okay, to the aggressive of the sun, to uh, the, the stress of, of the sun, of the, uh, the soil, of the poor soil, because generally there we don't have too much um, nutrition in the soil. Also the, the wind too, and obviously the thermal amplitude. Because of that, generally at the end, uh, we don't have skin in our grapes. We have leather, okay? Trying to, again, naturally, the vine trying to protect the seas. Obviously, we as winemakers use that, 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 that natural produ production naturally from, from the vines. And we take our Malbec from, again, a special block that is block number 40 that we use principally for our uh, Grand Malbec. In this case, it's a more violet and, and, and perception of the color in, in Grand Malbec. And in this case, we make uh, something um, different, principally for, for the moment of the harvest, because we have this vineyard a little bit far from the vineyard. We start harvesting by night, okay? Because in that way, we uh, have the grapes in the winery at cold temperature, okay? In this case, also, we use a little bit more of the dry ice, trying to have a maceration prefermentative, very cold maceration prefermentative. And then 
we made this kind of, of structure that in terms of Malbec, we try to have more uh, freshness, more violet kind of colors. But in a way, in this case, we made the malolactic fermentation principally in the concrete baths, small concrete baths, because uh, Malbec, it's, I always like to say that Malbec appreciate, and principally Malbec from Oko Valley, give us that kind of minerality like Edu were, were talking about that we can find in Oko Valley, okay? We have more, more minerality that you can perceive kind of, of um, uh, how do you say, um, pencil uh, mine, you say? Yeah. Graphite. Okay. Graphite. Okay. Graphite. Kind of graphite. Yes. Yes. Like the graphite of the pencil. It's something like that. It's difficult to explain, but when you taste and you try to think about that, you're going to, to taste that mixing about those violet lilies typical from the Malbec. Okay. Those black fruits from Uko Valley also with a little bit red fruit, but principally black fruits, and also that kind of perception of, of, of graphite mixed with the malolactic fermentation and also mixed with the aging in the oak. And in this case, it's 50% new oak and 50% used oak. In this case, if you taste, you're going to perceive it's the most concentrated wine that we have. And because of that, we need generally more time in the oak, trying to have a concentrate wine, a concentrate Malbec, a typical concentrate Malbec, but also a drinkable Malbec. We don't want to, we don't have, or we don't like to have an astringent kind of Malbec, okay? This this wine also has, a, a, as you can, as you saw in the technical sheet, um, it has a percentage of, of these grapes are coming from Gualtazari. Maybe you've heard of that region where it's a very well-known region today for Malbec. So you, you see in the, you can see in the technical, it says Gualtazari uh, is an even higher vineyard that we use to blend uh, for this uh, Grand Malbec. Gualtadari is 100-300 meters and is, is more than 4,000 feet uh, above sea level. Okay. It's interesting that, that Edu says that because we start with this small vineyard since, I don't know, Edu, uh, 10 years ago, probably. Yeah, maybe 2010. Okay. But start working because for us it was a beautiful place. Uh, we 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 managed that vineyard, uh, and then we release a single vineyard from Walter and then we start looking that give us beautiful things. And sometimes when we select the barrels for the single vineyard, like Edu says, some barrels would take for Grand Malbec because it's a hundred percent Ukawali and Walter also is in Aguantalleri, uh, it's a part of Ukowali. Because of that, give us the same thing that, something that is only a, a little bit different from, from Aguantalleri, is that give us that minerality, but also kind of herbs that you can perceive kind of uh, uh, oregano 
And another um, wild herbs that you can find in Iguazajari, again, those barrels that we select, it's only to add complexity to this beautiful wine. And in this case, also, uh, I always said the same thing with a beautiful steak, juicy steak, it's per beautiful, per amazing, okay? But again, it's the typical concentrate Malbec, okay? Okay, and now we are going to the big guy, okay? Gran Corte. Why uh, we call it the big guy? Because at the end, it's a, it's a beautiful wine with a lot of complexity. And it's like a, 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 like a gr grandparent, okay? Like a, a, the, 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 all the experience, all the complexity. Um, this is a beautiful blend between five varietals, principally the hard it's Malbec, and then Cabernet Sauvignon that give us the spiciness, all the, the, the pepper, then Merlot that we were talking about, Merlot always give us roundness, softness. Then we use a little bit of Petit Verdot. Petit Verdot always give us kind of dry fig, those black things like, again, um, herbs like oregano, but principally dry fig, black fruits, and at the end, uh, at the end, a little, uh, a small part of tanat. Remember, tanat came from tannins. It's a very juicy and concentrated kind of varietal, and give you a, give us that kind of bloody perception of mineral of of of, of ferrum. Okay, that complexity from from tanat. Always, it's a, a and a small percentage. Always, all the years have the same five varietals, but obviously the percentages. Um, in, in focus in the consistency, the percentages always are a little bit different. And obviously all these varietals fermentate separately. All of that, those varietals, Malbec fermentate in stainless steel tank, concrete and, and stainless steel tank and oak. Again, the same thing with Cabernet Sauvignon, the same with, thing with Merlot, Petit Verdot, Tanat. We have a lot of different fermentations. All of them go separately to the oak but something that it's beautiful from this wine that it's at the end, Gran Corte, it's a barrel selection of all those different kinds of fermentations. We start tasting, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe generally th this month in August, we start tasting in August and th that tasting um, always, we need one or two months to taste all of the barrels, to select the best barrels, and at the end, make the blend. At the end, it's the barrel selection of the, our best barrels of our cellar. It's amazing because sometimes our new oak, all barrels, different percentages, but at the end, always thinking in the quality, in the concentration, but principally in the consistency and in the complexity, okay? Okay, you taste it. Okay, I don't know if you if you have, I don't know, something that you, you want to know. Um, well, uh, first of all, Javier, thank you. Uh, I know uh, people are enjoying the wines very much. We're, it's perhaps the, the most um, active uh, masterclass we've hosted where comments were done outside of the, the main chat. So 
Um, lots to share here, and I'm not quite sure where to begin. But for the group, I just wanted to um, tell you guys that uh, Pulenta is uh, definitely a historical winery, as Edu and Javier have shared, um, not only for the quality of their wines, but also because they are one of the first uh, premium level wineries globally that took um, a liking to using screw caps. And they did so when screw caps had not yet been sort of accepted by wine consumers. So in that sense, on all fronts, you're, you're doing amazing wines, you're making amazing wines, you have your experimental winery that you, that you use. And, um, and it's, it's very, very cool. Um, the other thing is there's a, a guest in the audience here and uh, I'll, I won't em embarrass her by name, but um, she's uh, visited you and has shared a couple of comments. Um, and if the guests would like to jump on and, and share, I don't know if, uh, if that's a yes, if, if that's trying to be unmuted. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Nalini, yes. Uh, tell <laughs> us about your experience. Thank you so much. I was introduced to Pulenta because of Cork and Fork eight years ago. About five, six years ago, I came to Argentina. I visited Pulenta and I think it was a Michelle. I'm not sure, but I think her name Michelle. was... Michelle. Yes, who organized the entire morning, afternoon for me one of the best trips and I just have to say your wines I love Cap Franc I've always liked Cap Franc but you have elevated Cap Franc for me to a whole different level I will drink no other Cap Franc so thank you <laughs> but I will say if anyone gets a chance to actually go to Polenta what I loved I, I mean I love seeing the lab right you talked about the lab I saw it I have a photograph of it it's brilliant my dear friend here is a scientist. We were listening enthralled to you, Professor Lafort. It was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you um, very much. It's a pleasure. But I will tell you, the highlight of my tour was not necessarily, it was the tasting, of course. And I drank a lot of wine and I have a great tolerance for a lot of wine. But I love <laughs> the start of it where you taught me how to smell. And it was laying out and saying, just start, forget the sip, just feel and smell the aroma. Learn how to recognize this is strawberry, this is apple, and here's why. So thank you. I mean, for me, Polenta will always be the highlight for me. No, um, thank you but very much. You know this. Um, you're one of my favorite Argentinian producers, so thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, thank you, thank you. It's absolutely true, and uh, if anyone—that's right. If anyone's looking to buy the Cab Franc, uh, we are out of stock, and that would be merci to Nalini for buying the last bottles of our inventory today. Um, but it, it is true, uh, um, Javier and Edu, that um, really the as I mentioned to you before we we got online that. Um, Pulenta has been really a very uh, near and dear producer to us. And uh, we're very grateful for the wines that you continue to make and the quality that you continue to make and the consistency that you do as well. 
So um, as we prepare to log off, um, Javier, would you like to share some final thoughts? And then Edu, we will uh, ask you the same question. Okay. Javier? Javier, to... any final thoughts to share with us before we say goodnight? Yeah, well, first, thank you very much for all the time. Sometimes a little bit difficult, and I know that my English is not so very good, but I try, I do my best. But in terms of, we, we try to show you that we love, that it's the, the winemaking, the winery, and uh, we try to show that we are a family, and we try to produce, again, that like we were talking about, uh, wines with passion, wines with, 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 um, with heart and also consistency, see consistency, quality, but always thinking in, in the consumer. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And well, it was a pleasure. Excellent. Uh, well, uh, for me, it's a pleasure, of course. Um, the same is not easy for us in English because I've been uh, Two years, I've been traveling 20 years with the winery. Yes, since 2001, 2002. And it's been now two years without uh, getting into a plane. As you know, Argentina uh, has closed the, the borders. So we are not able to, to fly. <laughs> so it's good because I have a chance to, to be more at, at the winery uh, with the family and, and the office. And, but we, you lose the fluency in, in the English. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's, great, it's great to share this. And as Javier just mentioned, we, we enjoy a lot doing what, what we do, uh, making uh, great wines. Mm. And uh, since this is, a, is being recorded and, and will eventually make its way to uh, YouTube or be shared, uh, with others in, in our staff. I have to say that a big thanks goes out to Ed Sorensen for introducing us uh, to the Polenta line and for everything Ed has done for Argentinian wine in the DC market. And for those of you who've been shopping at Cork and Fork for uh, many years, you'll remember Ed as being sort of uh, Dominique's brother uh, adopted brother uh, by default and uh, we wish him a, a very good happy travels he's in the, the south of France at the moment for three months uh, drinking a lot of wine so that'll be awesome <laughs> anyway listen Edu thank you Javier thank you and Donnie thank you for organizing this uh, event about four, four or five months ago we appreciate very much everyone attending Thank you to the audience for being uh, here with us tonight and sharing some great wine. And we wish everyone a good night. We'll end it here. I'll end the meeting for all. And cheers okay. to everyone. Thank Have you so much. Thank you very much. A big hug, Danny. And obviously for Ed, a great friend. Salud. <laughs> Salud. Bye-bye. Salud. Bye-bye. See you.